0: He can shave whichever part of his body
1: he wants. Welcome to the attacking scrum podcast. You got it, Murph? I got it, yeah. Recording in progress. Got it. <laughs> Normally press leave meeting. Mate, I've genuinely prepped a uh, a little introduction paragraph, and as you know, I never do like links like that, like Gary Lineker. I've got one written out here, ready for it, and you've just squandered it, in the, within seconds of kickoff,
0: butchered it like a like an overlap.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like a. Um, Yeah, like a a Wayne Pivak Wales spilling uh, the first restart of the game, you know, straight (laughs) straight away from kickoff. But there we go, which uh, brings us to the last show of the year. What a year it's been, mainly a depressing one, but we have had a pretty positive weekend in terms of results, which doesn't happen too often, so we can enjoy that. And as you'll have probably heard, listener, joining me to look back at the weekend and this year, is a man always on the naughty list, and more so after bungling my first link, it's the mighty Murph. Good evening. There we go. Levels of professionalism that you just do not get with other podcasts. Um, <laughs> let's dive straight in. Murph, have got so much to talk about. Let's start with mm. Europe, um, and there's really only one place to start, and that is a quite remarkable Osprey's win away in Montpellier. Justin Tiprick described it as uh, being amongst the best Osprey's European wins. Uh, mm. Did you see that one coming? No,
0: no, God, no. Um, he's right as well. I, uh, you know, um, current French champions Montpellier, incredible. Like, and twenty-one and, ten um, is obviously not, you know, a, a huge win. But they was comfortable. You know, they never look. I don't think they looked like losing at many stages during the game. Um, and uh, I feel a little bit sorry for Jack Walsh because. Now it's going to look like it was Jack Walster was holding him back the whole time because Owen Williams was just being consistent and yeah. doing right things all the time rather than, you know, trying too much. I think that's some of Jack Walter's problem is trying to play too much. Um, and Owen Williams is just being a bit of an old head. A little bit <laughs> like when they've had Steve, Stephen then, and all that kind of thing. And uh, everything just knitted together. They, they played like we thought they are capable of all season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the things I was going to touch on was the halfbacks, actually, because, you yeah, know, Reece Webb was eye-catching again, being a real pain in the arse as well. You know, you can see mm. he must just be an absolute nightmare to play against for a number of reasons. Mm. And as you mentioned there, Owen Williams bringing experience and a bit of a bit of creativity to the uh, to the back line as well. Do you think that's going to be the, the kind of the first choice halfback pairing going forward?
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't exactly recall what age Owen Williams is now, but he
1: it must be uh, about twenty nine, I'd say. 29, yeah, he, Well, he's
0: younger than Anskum. He's obviously everyone's younger than Stephen Moya, but, uh, but he's in theory. He's, I mean, there's talk of Anskum wanting away. Yeah,
1: literature. there's a lot of a lot of reports linking him to yeah. uh, to France so, or or England, and yeah. that kind of makes sense when you think of a where he's at in terms of his career. And there's, you know, he's not going to make it through another World Cup cycle, is he? So, if there's a big payday out there, you'd imagine he'll probably take it.
0: Yeah. And uh, also, I mean, I don't know if he can entirely be confident that his uh, injuries are not going to catch up with him more and more over the next few seasons. So, it makes sense for him personally. And um, if Owen Williams carries it on in this vein, then that's a result for the Ospreys as well. So, um, I, I, I'm sure I've wanged on about Owen Williams loads of times. At the, at the amount of times I said, every, uh, at various stages, every region in all four regions in Wales could have done with Owen Williams in their squad. Mm. Uh, last year with the Dragons, and the year before that, and the year before that, of <laughs> the Dragons, they could have done with Owen <laughs> Williams. And he wasn't, it's not as if he was on the pitch regular for anyone.
1: No, just, unless, he was hanging around had...
0: in the squad somewhere.
1: It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because he left the Scarlets, so had a really, you know, I think they were quite impressed with him when he was at Leicester and he played kind of, you know, a fair amount there. And then Bitty Spells in Japan and Worcester. Gloucester. Was, Gloucester, I'd forgotten yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, quite a bit of Gloucester, but he was kind of behind Danny Cipriani, I think.
1: Yeah. And it just, yeah, you're right. It just makes you think that a move a move to one of those sides would have at least kept him front of mind, particularly when there's a, you know, when there's a 60 cap law in, in place. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not we mentioned it with uh with Matthew Jones on here last week that the own Williams could be an interesting one when it comes to the six nations because there is uh, you know another another load of injuries in the uh, yeah. um in that position and you know Callum Sheedy isn't really playing consistently first choice for uh for Bristol so yeah. there it is, there, is, there is potentially a third berth up for grabs um
0: mm. well the, you know in the, in the autumn it was Reese Priestland um uh, Costello or Costello, mm. or whichever way you say, it, uh, and uh, um, Anscombe uh, got injured. So, um, that, uh, you know, it's wide open for him, I think. You know, if he keeps, I, I, listen, we've had one one good game, which yeah. is what Reese Priestley did in the autumn. He had one good game for Cardiff. So that's enough in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> but if he does it regularly, they, then it's a no brainer.
1: Well, the interesting thing, and this doesn't just apply to Ian Williams, it applies to everyone, is back in the day when Welsh sides used to. Play, you know when we used to have more than just one side in the heineken cup Mm. that always used to be warren gatlin's kind of benchmarking you know our Mm. our form analogy um when it comes to racehorses this was the bit where you'd be looking for a gold cup winner and yeah a win away and you're right it's one performance but a win away in montpellier doesn't happen very often you know Welsh sides do not go to France and we don't really go anywhere. We don't win anywhere at the moment or haven't done for the Wait, last Isn't it um,
0: 14 years since the last Welsh region won a Heineken Cup game in France?
1: Is that right? And that was I what Scar- that's what they were Scarlet's. saying on Saturday night, yeah. That was what, yeah, Scarlet's was it, I think. I well, can't remember. Can't I not remember. Know.
0: A long time since... Well, it's a long time, full stop, since there's been a Welsh win in the European Cup. I think it's two seasons. Yeah. So, but actually away in France is... Um, They must have caught someone, you know, back in those days. The French rugby was even stronger, so Mm. it must have caught someone on a cold day. I can't can't remember who it was now, but uh, uh, it's a long time, isn't it? But then, not really, considering how weak our regions have gotten with each passing year. Not really that surprising either.
1: Yeah, no, it is true. Um, So yeah, some pretty indicate uh, some pretty decent indicators of form in there. Before we kind of get onto the overall team performance, I want to talk about Morgan Morris, who picked up the Man of the Match Award, and I thought he was absolutely sensational. Mm. I think we've said on here a couple of times, when it comes to international level, I think size is always going to be the question. Mm. Um, Do you think he'll be in Warren Gatlin's thoughts?
0: Well, uh, we've discussed him before, and just purely because there's hardly any number eights in the country, He's not far away from the squad, you know. Mm. Full stop. It's as simple as that. Uh, he still looks exactly like Bevan Rod all the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, if one of them like changed their facial hair, it would help commentators. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I, he's got. He's got to be. he got to be. He must have been getting considered, in, and the, he never picked him. But he must have been getting considered when Pivac was in charge, because it's literally fallible. Uh, Martin Morris, uh, Martin Morris, Morgan Morris, <laughs> Morgan Morris, feels that? And um, uh, 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 and and then there's you know, then your stand like uh, your Moriarty's and your Josh Naviti's, you know. So
1: yeah, I think that's it. I think it will come down to a straight shootout. If you know, if you're looking for a backup number eight, chances are, I think you'll probably go for Moriarty because of the the six. You know, thing is, you are in the Six Nations, you're only going to pick Toby if he's fit. And then mm. you need someone to to cover for him, really, don't you? And and mm. that's probably where I think it will come down to to Moriarty being in there as a as a six and an eight. So yeah. I think it might it might just be a, a, a little bit too far. But you know that's a that's a massive performance he put in. I thought he completely outshone his uh, his opposite number Zach Mercer, who's you know who's himself a fine number eight.
0: Yeah. Um
1: So lots lots to like about it, and it's the turnover threat I think that's so that, that, that really impressed me because he you know he does those kind of barreling ball carrying stuff and it's it's so so needed particularly when you're a forwards oriented side but the the turnover threat he poses i think is um is a point of difference and i think you've got to have that if you're not a big bloke
0: yeah um his carries as well seem to be more suited to um pick and goes near the other line as mm. well because he's obviously a short stocky guy uh, something that he's actually got over over Falato, I would say in that, in that instance. But um, yeah, he's. He, he, I don't think he's a, he's had a great game last night. But I don't think he's actually. Uh, uh improving as time goes on and catching everyone's eye more. I think he's doing exactly the same as he's always been doing, mm. but it's it's just standing out more and more as time goes on, especially when the side around him are playing better as well, you know. He's 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 uh, he's pretty consistent really. He's not he's not a hot and cold type of player.
1: No, he's not. I think he's probably been their best player for or certainly their most consistent player for maybe the last two seasons and mm. you're right. It's just it is that much more eye-catching when it's when it's in a, a big game and, yeah. and we just don't have very many big games to, to choose from because <laughs> we have a <laughs> lot of, a lot of meaningless rugby against fucking South mm. African sides. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was very impressive and, and yeah, hopefully you'll continue to um, continue to put those performances in. What else impressed you about the Osprey's Murph?
0: Uh I mentioned Orn Williams. Um, well, uh, set piece. I mean, against, you know, away in France, the set-piece is dominant. Even before he brought on the likes of Tom Francis, everything was going really well up front. Uh, Tom Boak is probably his best game. Don't have, I probably haven't had many games, actually, for the Ospreys, but that was his best game I've seen him have. And uh, the, the driven line-out, again, you know, it, it probably was the uh, deciding factor in the game, I think, the, the driven line-out.
1: I agree. And I think it not just attacking-wise, obviously, they 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 scored tries from it and, and were constantly a threat. But I thought defensively, Reese Davis and Adam Beard were really, really good at negating the the Montpellier driving line out. And as you said before, you know, it's, I think the way the game, I know I bang on about this, but the way the game is refereed now, you get an awful lot of opportunity to, um, to, to get a nudge on in it with a driving line out. Mm. I think, you know, if it was refereed another way, I think you'd, you know, it perhaps wouldn't be as effective for teams. So it's a very hard thing to actually disrupt. And I think equally as impressive as their attacking driven line out was the uh, was the, the defensive effort as well. Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, they, they they were getting they were having to infringe a lot, weren't they? Montpellier, mm. because uh, it was it was just so effective. And um I'm glad the referee was picking up on it because there's so many uh, it infuriates me to be honest. So many games I've watched this weekend and every weekend where uh, players you know the it's the it's the most common defense now of driven analysis, is sliding up the side yeah. of the mall uh which is you know, it's com- completely legal but then they change their bind yeah. and that's penalty straight away as soon as you change your bind and they're doing it all everyone's doing it all the time or well, the cheating side is doing it all the time anyway. And um like uh the, the good sides they kind of um the, when the the driven mall reels one way they slide up the side of it and then they try and drag around the other way. And then suddenly you've got both sides kind of with uh, defensive players at the side of it and just hanging on to slow it down. And uh, that seems to be the most effective way. But so many sides, like uh, I'm trying to think of an example. I, I think Ebenezer, no, maybe it wasn't Ebenezer. But some, some big second row was doing it all the time. Uh, and this weekend, I've seen so many games now, they're all blurred into one. They just slide up the side. And then and then when the ref's kind of on the other side of that, driven, uh, driven more where it is, they they they're changing their lead arm hmm. from the driven player thing to the boy, the boy the fellow who's got the ball. And um, I think touch judges should step in more on that because look, you you've got it you got to allow some form of skull otherwise, some it could end up like I've uh, mentioned before 20 years ago. Anytime Leicester or Munster got a line out in your twenty-two is pretty much guaranteed to score. Hmm. So that there, there has to be some way of stopping that, but there's too much um too much jiggery pokery at the moment. I yeah, think.
1: there is. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, for me, it's I I'd just like to see the ball get used a bit quicker. So if you get a nudge on straight away or you know, um within a fairly quick period of time, that's fine. But so often you see it like a complete standstill, and the defensive mm. side has put in a really good shift and then it starts to motor. And mm. but anyway, by the by, yeah. um yeah, the spray is excellent in that um in that capacity. And again, I think that leads us on to a pretty good indicator of, of where Warren Gatlin might be picking the bulk of his tight five from.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, they, they, they were pretty much the dominant presence already. You know, there's just too many, too many good players. You know, the likes of Tom Francis, obviously, the head and shoulders, the best tight head in the country. And then they got a lot of second routes there as well. So, and two very good players. Uh, Two very good loose sets as well. Let's mm. not forget. So yeah, that that won't change, I don't think. Um uh in fact, it'd be more likely more more I think it'd be more likely who comes in from elsewhere and the Gatland rather than mm. what changes at the Osprey selection.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um just looking back to last week though, is it you know, without wishing to bring it down too much, is it a question of looking that as a as a missed opportunity because it could be two from two now? I thought that, that game against Leicester was was massively winnable at home and with lots of changes in the Leicester side
0: well that's that's kind of why I mentioned Jack Walsh at the beginning mm. because I I, I I don't want to criticize him too much because he's a young player with loads of ability but um it's just too many negative outcomes from his especially from his kicks and um and that I, I think although Owen Williams wasn't doing anything spectacular, it, it just seemed to give everyone in the team confidence. Mm-hmm. And that's why it just they just got seemed to play better and better as the game went on, kind of thing. So um, even without you know your, your George Northerns and your Alaman Joneses in the side, that was the best um best performance of the season. And and, and I think it was just because it was a steady presence. It's literally his first outing for the club.
1: Yeah, I think he had, what, seven or eight minutes off the bench the previous week, and it's his first start, yeah. Oh,
0: I didn't realise he'd come off the bench last week. Um, Yeah, only
1: only very briefly.
0: And so it it just must be this this steady uh, presence, just give everyone confidence to play. And um, Yeah, I I feel sorry a little bit for Jack Walsh, because I don't think he's entirely to blame. There's loads of other people making mistakes in the Osprey side. But uh, I think, and I, I still think in a season or two, he'd be the finished um, article but uh, at the moment he's been he's been a little bit of a um unsteady an influence on them i think
1: yeah and and you're right it's um it's one of those crucial positions isn't it that there's so much pressure around it and particularly when you're basically the only fit one there because you know miler is old and not always fit and then you've got um and then you've got Anskim, who's, who's barely barely been fit so there's mm. a lot of pressure on him a bit like the situation sam davis had at the dragons for a couple mm. of seasons when he first moved there it re- reinvigorated his career and um he looked like a player full of confidence again and then last season it looked like a player who was completely drained of it and then again this season where he's not had to do all the all the work himself it's reinvigorated him so hopefully it'll be the same uh the same with um with jack walsh now there's someone else to share the load as well uh, yeah. the final thing to finish on with the ospreys which um has nothing to do with anything on the pitch but was i quite like the touch of um them wearing uh the club socks if you spotted that um no i didn't spot that because i was distracted
0: by their distracted by their bloody awful shirt yeah
1: yeah is that a specific european jersey
0: they're wearing it's not a waist strip
1: is it it's a specific european jersey and it Uh. incorporates all the feeder clubs within the region in it um but if you ask me the them wearing the socks of their uh, of their associated club was a much nicer and easier, more mm. uh, added more standout than the than than the shirt. So I thought it was a nice yeah. touch actually. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, like, I, the, I, like the Barbarians do essentially.
0: Yeah, uh, that, that kit um, at first glance looks more like they're wearing a kind of a rainbow flag type of uh, it reference. Does. Yeah, yeah, it does. And I'm trying to work out which clubs in their area have got purple, bright yellow. You know, a bright
1: green. I probably is a club I know of bright it's, green, but um yeah. One I love their um a green, yeah. aren't they? So yeah. green and black. Um, but I mean I think it's it's right the way down to to youth teams as well. So it's like it's right. absolutely everything. But anyway, you know, hats off to uh hats off to um, reaching out to the to those um to those clubs around they'll
0: probably sell a few after that game (laughs) which is the real real aim which is the real aim yeah there
1: we go there we go the nice a nice cynical and a cynical touch we've still got got loads to get through Murph um and uh hopefully we'll get a chance to look back at the um the year in rugby as well but we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to finish our look at Europe with wins for the Scarlets wins for the dragons and of course uh, a soul destroying defeat for did i say the win for the dragons that was optimistic wasn't it uh we're a win for cardiff and a soul, a soul destroying uh last minute defeat for the dragons so all of that is coming up after this very quick break right murph on to the scarlets um another win for them uh that eased a bit of a bit of pressure on Dwayne Peel two wins in two weeks regardless of the the opposition uh
0: yeah so long as I think so long as they take some confidence from this into their league game so if they go back to you know you got you got the Christmas derbies now Hmm. and if they get nothing out of the Christmas derbies um things will start getting um a little bit uh, squeaky bum again but I, I I, you know I listened to Matthew Jones last week I, I, I don't know how much pressure is actually on Dwayne Peel because yeah. like he said the fans got a lot of uh, patience with him because mm-hmm. he's a he's a one of their own kind of thing Um, I I was saying <laughs> I was saying in the autumn there must be pressure on him mm-hmm. but uh, if Matthew Jones says no and he, he would know like as a season to get older of many years then uh, I can only I can only take him take his word for it but um yeah, if they, it'll still, if they, so long as they don't leave these performances in Europe and go back to square one again, I think, I think it'd be all right.
1: I mean, they're, they're sat on top of their pool now, as, as Cardiff are in theirs as well. And um, do you think the Challenge Cup should be the main focus for him? Or I know you said there it's about taking it into the league as well. But in terms mm-hmm. of what they can actually get out of this season, do you think that would, um, you know that would that would kind of add a, a real bit of impetus if they're able to, to get out of this pool and go on a good cup run
0: well it's it's definitely something for the fans to get interested in but i still think they need to improve their league position you know even if they go really even if they go really really deep in europe they still they still need to pick up wins in in the league because i i just think to be one place above Zebraham, I, mm, you know, I think it's so. an, it's unacceptable for for a squad that strong as well i know there's there's weaknesses in the, the type 5 and different things but it's they, they with the experience that's there know, and the quality the number of like lions in the squad it's a little bit acceptable to be that low down so yeah I, I think mainly the fans would enjoy a long run in europe but they from the from the uh the management's point of view I think they need I think they need uh, I think they need league wins
1: yeah no I think you're uh, I think you're probably right just talking on the the personnel front there as well so as things kind of slowly edge towards um the regions knowing how much money they're going to have next year I'd expect to see a fair amount of players leave to Scarlet's in the in the summer given the the kind of the the salary implications and also the Mm. um the kind of it's, it it's at times been a bit of a bloated squad i think
0: yeah it, it's interesting not just for the scarlets across the board really because they were all given long longer contracts because of covid yeah. which were also uh with pay cuts tied mm. in as well and that's why they made them longer because of the pay cut and that's why uh, for example at uh, cardiff you got people like um Ollie Robinson, for example, who's kind of surplus now because mm. the arrival of Thomas Young and uh, the return of Alice Jenkins or more of you. Uh, but he's still got quite a long time to go on his contract and he's just, uh, well, he's had runouts to the RFC, I think. Um,
1: so he spent, be, he spent a lot of time on loan last season as well, didn't he?
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. But there must be, there must be other examples across the other squads of people who yeah. probably not that wanted for want of a better <laughs> word by this by their club uh but uh still got a fair amount of time um on their contract so unless they've you know uh, i don't know how it works unless they can trans find a transfer out on the same terms or something i i i don't know but uh, it's going to be tricky for some like for uh, i just being talked about with um uh, a bit of deadwood hanging around in some squads that new new uh coaches like uh die young would like to move but they they just you know they they, they just got time left on their contract so there's not mm-hmm. too much you can do um and i am assuming there'd be a fair amount of that at the scarlets as well yeah
1: yeah i think they probably will but it's um yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, like we've said before, it's it's just far from ideal to be sat in this situation. So we've got yeah. the kind of conditional contracts being able to be offered until the end of January, when there should be a, a proper resolution, providing that mm. loads of players haven't left. Um, one player who did, we mentioned this last week, one player who is leaving is, uh, is Max Llewellyn um, mm. who had another, yeah, another good performance for Cardiff. Um, mm. And yeah, Murph, you know you've you've seen a, a fair amount of him play. How much of a blow is that for Cardiff and Wales?
0: Well, it's not that much of a blow for Wales because you can still pick him because he's never been picked in the squad before. So when he leaves, yeah. you can still pick him. He, he's he's going to one of the West Country English clubs, and um, there's no worry for Wales. But it is a big blow for Cardiff, not least because Mason Grady probably too soon, mm. Ray Lilo, too old. Uh, although
1: he had another great, they had another great game oh,
0: actually, unreal. again, yeah, and yeah, real, uh, he'll probably stay. Uh, mm. uh, apparently, his um, family are very settled in the area. Uh, kids are in Welsh school, Welsh speaking school, and everything else, and he's very happy here. So I think he's in a situation where he'll take cheap one-year contracts indefinitely. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But uh, uh, halaholo's unfit and and knocking on. So it's um it's really disrupted them on, on the quiet because that that would have been if they could have kept those four, you know, yeah. um that would have been handy. Uh, obviously there would have to be some long-term planning around the, the other two, but uh, yeah, I I I I didn't I was shocked by the news. I hadn't heard any rumors um when it came out, but it's really tricky for Cardiff, I think, because um not a massive amount outside of Mason Grady coming through in the center and uh, like i say, the other two are knocking on and so um yeah, yeah I, I i am i'm against, i'm not 100% positive I, I i think the Welsh situation will be unaffected
1: yeah i hadn't I hadn't factored that in actually it's a good point um and also i mean i don't think anyone can safely predict what's going to happen with the 60 cap rule at the moment there's so much noise around it yeah. um and also with this you know with with the budgetary constraints the the chances are you have to kind of look at it now and say if there are teams around Europe who are willing to pick up the tab for some of our players, we're going to have to, we're going to have to let them, let that, let that be the case. And if there's yeah. one thing we know about Steve Phillips um, is that he's, you know, committed to reducing costs, isn't he? So. Um,
0: well, this is because that's his background. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. You know, he shouldn't be uh, chief exec because he's a financial director. That's his that's his CV, financial director. Um, and I'm quite, I am quite—I was quite encouraged, actually, um, after Wayne Pivak was removed and Gatlin was uh, put in instead, immediately Welsh Rugby Twitter was um, moved on to Steve, Steve Phillips. Phillips out. Yeah. Um, you know, because obviously the chairman has changed. Uh, now the coach has changed. Well, the one guy who's been in charge throughout it all well, uh, well, in the last few seasons anyway, mm. Steve Phillips and so uh, and like I mentioned, I think last time I was on, I mentioned the amount of kind of um indecisiveness that was just uh, 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 inaction that was going on throughout and well, you're the man responsible for that um and he's done that car crash interview as well. Have you seen that? yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I mean people people are saying you know even teenage footballers or teenage rugby players they have media training. You know, where's his where's his media training? Where where's the aid in the background going reminded, no no? Like holding a placard saying steer this way, steer this way. Fuck it, it,
1: no. It reminded me of that. Um if you ever saw the one of the specials from the thick of it where uh Malcolm Tucker says <laughs> to uh says to Ben Swain, who did your media training, Myra Hindley. And um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, just it just looks so out of his depth. As as we as we say in the uh, common parlance now, it's like it's all about optics, isn't it? And and actually the optics coming out of of the Millennium Stadium a couple of weeks ago was one of decisiveness. It was we've booted out the men's head coach, we've got the perfect man to replace him. Here's what we're doing. And within a matter of hours it went back to looking like like amateurs again yeah. and um it's Wasn't just
0: it, yeah. a direct quote or something like a criticism of the board is uh unjustified or like well, yeah. what word he used um, exactly but
1: yeah it was along I those mean, lines okay, and it just no. um it's, it's just it's tin-eared isn't it that's the that's the thing it's like it's you know it, it is
0: yeah it's out to touch completely, yeah, out, to completely touch. out
1: of touch and yeah. um yeah. yeah that's the uh I don't know how we've I don't know how we've ended up on this. I was going to talk about Cardiff's win in the uh, in the in the Park was, of Penn Shield. I think it was my fault. That's all right. Yeah. Mm. Always 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 a joy to, to wander off on these tangents. Yeah. Um but yeah, as you said, look, Cardiff top of their pool. Um I suppose a bit like the Scarlets, this should give them uh, a fair amount of a fair amount of confidence going into the rest of the season. Um but also but yeah, they've got uh, some good form before these before these exactly. two games as well, Cardiff.
0: Yeah, I, I I genuinely think they're onto something. Uh if it wasn't for the um in bad news. Mm. I don't think there'd be any anything negative going on. I just they just uh, they just got the front the front row front five, but front row in particular is going really well. Obviously, there's especially with me, there's a lot of attention towards Rhys Carre he, he's just the heaviest carrier in Wales. you I mean, not the best carrier, because obviously there's people around like Falatone, but he's the he- he's that, that ha- <laughs> he is the JCB carrier in Wales yeah. you know what I mean he, he's the bulldozer and uh, there's not many of them in this country and, and obviously people mention his work well, just use him for 45 minutes then for, for, for 40 minutes I've been watching too much World Cup um, it, it's ridiculous uh, but, but, uh, I, I've ended up talking about him but what I really wanted to mention was uh, the one who's re- really reinvigorated and transformed from last year is Dimitri Ahib mm. The whole, the whole front row for Cardiff is going really well. And um, uh, a lot of it is because he, he can be a bit flaky, I think, Dimitri Aja. He looks like he wants to go off after 30 minutes, you know. And um, he's totally transformed this year. I don't know who take credit for that, one it's him, maybe himself, I don't know. But um, uh, Ty Young is actually, from when you consider where they were at the end of last season, six months ago, well, seven months ago, conceding points willy-lilly he hasn't changed any backroom well, it, it, staff
1: drubbed, drubbed away in Italy back-to-back yeah. hammerings from the scarlet so you know all in the space yeah. of well, a, unable to to defend, a few weeks huh? you know yeah.
0: a, to a professional standard that's what they were <laughs> in uh, sort of April May last year and he hasn't changed any backroom staff made no changes anywhere no real big signings have come in since you know in that regard anyway but Thomas Young maybe uh, well Toby yeah, but it, not not a like a it's not like as if he's bought Jamie Roberts in his prime to shore up the defence. You know I'm mean? assuming. Yeah. Uh, Liam Williams has been would really help the defensive line in the back, but he's he hasn't been there. He's coming back, I think, in January. Yeah. Um, so yes, it may sign but nothing that would transform your defence like that, and no, no back rooms uh, staff that have transformed your defence or your game generally like that. So yeah, I, I think the, the, the a are really the
1: defence is a really interesting point actually because these last two games, and again, you know to go back to our point about form um how much can you you know how much can you read into it but in the last two games they've only conceded 10 points and they've scored 100 nearly um, yeah. so
0: i mean brief or, brief or poor don't get me wrong yeah yeah and I, I haven't i didn't see the other one because it was on a funny channel but um...
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah via play is just for for anyone who's not um who's not called this via play is just a rebranded version of premier sports. So if you've got a premier sports subscription, um, yeah, do, be sure to, be, don't, be oh, sure so, to not miss so out. hang on.
0: So via play is still on your satellite box. or you've made still on your
1: satellite box. All yeah.
0: right. Okay. I didn't notice. I didn't notice it. It changed on my remote control.
1: That's weird. Yeah, it, was, it has on my Sky one, anyway. Right, um, right, okay, but uh, I, I but,
0: added in my head that it was an Amazon extension one, you know, a bit like uh, yeah. BFI or Shudder or something like that.
1: Yeah. No, it's... <laughs> <Or> um, Paramount. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's a, um, yeah, it's a rebranded version of Premier Sports. All right, okay. um, They've been bought out by someone, I think. So, um, you know... Well, oh, that's so, interesting,
0: because I thought BT had exclusive rights to Europe.
1: They did for a long time. And this is just Challenge Cup um they've got exclusive well they've because shared, they weren't
0: broadcasting anyway were they they
1: weren't broadcasting PT. half yeah. of it so yeah. um so yeah i don't know whether european rugby EPCR or ECPR, whatever it is have um have told them to to give it elsewhere um but yeah i think the, the rights deal changed this season because um the shared heineken cup games have gone from channel four to itv now as well right. um so right. yeah that's a, a broadcast news update um <laughs> completely thrown me yes one thing i wanted to say though just while we're talking while we're kind of finishing up on europe and before we talk about the dragons um this this whole kind of weekend you know there's some been some good results in there for both sides, but it has also shown what a, a shambles of a bloated competition it is when mm. you've got um the bulls turning up without 14 first Team players, it was the mm. Bulls, wasn't it? Played Exeter. Yeah. And yeah, were, were promptly hammered. This is what happens when you've got two, you know, when you've got sides competing across two hemispheres um, and, and, yeah, and you're it's, playing it's, pretty much rugby.
0: It's steeper than that, though, isn't it? Because um, the South African provincial sides, if that's the right term for them, because their season has changed from a Southern Hemisphere season to effectively a Northern Hemisphere season, mm. if that makes any sense because they're now playing with us. yeah. Uh, their players have been going non-stop for a year. Mm. They've had no pre-season, no, no rest, no break. Obviously, individuals have been rested or whatever, but as clubs, they've been going non-stop for 12 months. Mm. And that's probably why the Bulls turned up with um, with a lot of people missing. But, but <laughs> I ended up watching a lot of that game in my rugby club because uh, I mentioned to you off air, uh, Neith cancelled our game late we were supposed to play them away. They can't it very late. So, everyone was at the club ready to um, get on the bus. So, naturally, the players just bought drinks, beer, pints and started watching the uh X's of the game. There was a lot of people watching the game who were um commenting that they were glad to see a South African side get a kick in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, obviously... Welsh teams have been going down there, getting r- rings run around them and what have you, and um, and so I, you can imagine that the mentality of uh, South African rugby and South African rugby fans is thinking they're going to turn up and dominate Europe. You know what I mean? In some, yeah. some, in some respects.
1: Yes. If Welsh rugby Twitter has its own problems, South African rugby Twitter has it also has its. Well, uh, yeah, the the weight balancing,
0: the wing yeah. balancing, yeah, yeah. So, um. Yeah, a lot of people mentioned, oh, I'm glad I'm glad the bulls are getting a torn a new one, mm. as it were, in rugby terms. So um
1: it's just not healthy for the competition, though, is it? When you've got you know, I seem to remember going back eight, ten years, you know, sides being fined for not picking their strongest teams and all that kind of caper, mm. which you never hear about anymore. Yeah. Um well, Gloucester um, did
0: it, didn't they? On Friday. Gloucester,
1: wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um and I think Gloucester were fined like ten years ago for it, and mm. I think it was Gloucester in that on that occasion. The thing and, is,
0: it's imp- Just before, sorry to interrupt, but it's important to remember Gloucester first could have got stuffed.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah where's, where's
0: the benefit for Gloucester in sending yeah. their first to get stuffed when they can keep them fresh Uh, uh for their league, their Christmas league games?
1: Yeah, definitely. That, that's, that's the my, issue with
0: facing Leinster, Leinster away.
1: My point, yeah, my point is is less about you know teams get teams getting fined either to be honest it was always felt like a bit of a weird thing of how do you how do you ever prove that anyway yeah um my point was more around the fact that there's just too much bloody rugby so you've got to rotate your players at some point and yes yeah, yeah. why wouldn't you why wouldn't you do it Le- leinster away because there's so much uncompetitive rugby that that takes place throughout the course of the season and you know we're seeing it in the in the challenge cup as well more so and you will see it even more now that there'll be a couple of sides particularly French ones, who go, oh, Nuts to this, yeah. Um and and therein lies the problem, you know.
0: Mm. Well, they, they play an even longer season, don't they? Oh, France. it goes
1: on like eleven months, isn't it? And,
0: and uh, they, they, like I mentioned earlier about poor brief were against Cardiff. They're plum bottom of the top fourteen, mm. and they just can't risk, uh, can. the first team in a in a second string competition away in Wales. So. Um, Cardiff probably should have scored more in that game there was mm. loads of points left out there uh and that's that's the problem and uh, look at uh, uh, there's been talk i think it was you on here actually i don't know uh, talking about the the european game european competitions not as uh mm. highly valued as it was but i don't know i i, I don't know what else the tournament itself can do like the the pool stage thing I got a bit jaded the
1: old pool I, stage I th- yeah I think though that uh, you've got to have pools you've got to have a pool stage because you need to have some guaranteed some guaranteed yeah. revenue right yeah, you can't yeah. have a you can't have a kind of um you know like the old football european cup yeah it um, used to
0: be knockout all the way which would yeah. be
1: been knockout from minute yeah, one yeah. um so you've kind of got to have that pool stage thing i think i mentioned i can't remember whose idea it was i was stealing last week but you've just got to reduce the number of teams in it and you've got to have mm-hmm. 16 four pools of four um ah, yeah top two, that was top, top two go through yeah and um, i actually did have a question in i think it was barry the puppy on uh on twitter said yeah, what the hell is the qualification for uh for the european um everyone qualifies yeah. So again, yeah. Just, just to, just a recap, um, for, for anyone's benefit in the champions cup, you split into two kind of arbitrary conferences really. Mm. And then within that you're in a mini pool. So you play against, um, you play against two, two other teams home and away. Mm. Um, after that, the top eight from each pool goes through to the, uh, to the round of 16 in the champions cup and teams nine and 10, get dropped get parachuted into the challenge cup so in the challenge cup the top 6 go through um and then you have the other two those those teams from the uh uh from the the champions cup then boost that up to to make it a round of 16 which is just over complicated bollocks um yeah. and it just needs to, there needs to be some jeopardy there needs to be a degree of ruthlessness because otherwise these are just games for the sake of having games and we've mm. seen in the football world cup like what jeopardy does you know the the end of the pool stages in that was amazing because you had certain teams unfortunately with the the exception of wales you had certain teams yeah even wales theoretically could have gone through on that last day yeah. and um and that's what you need so like mm. a, a 4 tier, 4 pools of 4 16 team tournament with just the best in there and if that means no well sides then so be it we gonna have to get better well
0: exa- um, that's exactly my point when, when i was talking about qualification I, I meant qualification for the tournament in the first mm. place not, not for the latter stages yeah. why are the bottom team bottom team of the top 14 in europe why are the bottom italian bottom team from the urc zebra in europe why are well everyone who's in the league in europe is in the european competition mm. every single whether whether that's the the top tier or the second tier, everyone gets to have a, a, a run out, which is not how professional sport uh, uh, works. It's on merit. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not like, uh, you know, when you go to junior bloody presentations and everyone has to have a trophy. Well, there's a reason for that, but this is professional fucking sport. So why a zebra? why a brief getting to have a run out in, in, in Europe? They shouldn't. And if that means Wales team, Welsh teams don't qualify for Europe, they don't qualify Europe for Europe. So uh, in my mind but how big however big each league is top 8 from the URC whatever top 7 at the most how I many's in there now was well, only 10 because they've lost two yeah. <laughs> so it would be top 6 and the top 14 obviously seven from the top 14 everyone else you didn't you didn't make it cuz you shit at rugby and, mm-hmm. and then Europe would be much more elite and be much less of the kind of one-sided shite we've seen in some games like Cardiff against Brieve, and every game would be more competitive. And 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 it would all be on merit exactly in a way like um, uh, the Champions League in football. If you're not in the top four of the big leagues, you know, you, you sorry, you, you don't get to have a run out anyway. Just you know, just because you're, you're in the same league as Man United or fucking like Chelsea or Man yeah, City, I mean, I, mean, I mean, you can have a run out as well because you're not as good at football.
1: With respect, football is trying its best to to, 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 to mirror yeah, rugby in that regard. Yeah, well, yeah. well yeah, with you know yeah. champions Champions League, Europa and then whatever this Europa Conference League bollocks yeah. is below that. Yeah, they are and,
0: trying,
1: yeah. Yeah, and the thing is like I don't mind it so much as long as it's it's just built on merit. So if it was a sixteen team champions cup, then a sixteen team challenge cup. And if you wanted to, then you've got all the waifs and strays playing. But chuck a Romanian team in there, and chuck a Russian team—well, oh, sorry, not Russian—but they have done. Um,
0: they have done in the past,
1: and they have in the past, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, and and do it that way if you want. And then you know, look, if Gloucesters' thirds or you know or the Dragons' seconds are playing a Romanian team, then fine. And if you don't like it, you're right. Then qualify for the the level up above it. Um, but mm. yeah, they just needs to. It's just it is too bloated and too many too many. Um, well, so it's gay, vested interest, okay. isn't it? Yeah. Basically, the Because it's, unions... it's run by committee, right? It's exactly. run by committee.
0: Well, e- yeah, but each union gets a say on how the sport is run, which I suppose is the way it should be. But they're all making sure their clubs are looked after
1: Yeah.
0: by saying, well, you know, Wales, uh, Wales did actually concede because at one stage we were guaranteed three... Teams in the in European the old, Cup. I think. In the old Heineken yeah. Cup, we were, yeah, like, and that which, got, is, which is which is itself
1: is BS. You know, and then, no and then the in
0: place. fairness, it, it got to the point where you had to be in the top eight of the league, mm. otherwise. So we, that's why you have ended up with only one team in in the Heineken Cup.
1: Well, uh, no, now we're, now we're back to so even if the four Welsh sides finished plumb bottom, the top one would still go through for winning right. the Welsh Shield.
0: Yeah. oh Right. Okay. But right. uh, again, that's you know. Uh, I'm not totally against one team being Mm. guaranteed a shelter. And uh, to me, unless uh, if uh, the top eight of the USC was decided that was going to be in a Honeghan Cup, then I'd be totally happy with that because uh, any, say, uh, like last season, effectively four weak Welsh regions, well, more than likely they're going to turn up and get stuffed by someone Mm. like Toulouse. So where's where's the point in having yep. them in the competition anyway? Uh, as it turns out, Ospreys have given a very good atu- account of themselves last night, but they're still they're still not guaranteed to go through.
1: No,
0: you know because they got they got to face Montpellier again, and they got to face Leicester away. So, uh, the, the, you know that was a great performance, but they, they're not guaranteed to uh, to to go anywhere in it either. So, um, yeah, I. I I doubt if they'll ever you'll ever get the unions in agreement mm. on what I've just suggested, but that's the only way to make it elite and uh, um, special again.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. While we're talking, um, uh, yeah, while we're talking about sides finishing down the bottom of the league and qualifying for Europe, let's have a quick chat about the Dragons. Um, it was a dramatic game at Rodney Parade, though. Last minute try from Max Clark was was chalked off. Um, I mean, it was it was obviously the right decision. I don't know how the referee, I don't know how the referee came to that conclusion mm. straight up. You know, from where he was stood and went, yeah, that's a try, um, mm. which is really really frustrating. However, Murph, rather than dwelling on that, I thought the um, the biggest the biggest error was we were having such joy at the at the, at the line out, or even if not joy, if we weren't getting over the line, we're getting a penalty back in return. I don't know why they made that decision to scrum at the end. Mm
0: well even the, even the scrum was going well in that game and mm. i think that's what the attraction was and i suppose it is more reliable than than lineout ball because you well I you can always know. throw it in you can always throw it in uh, yeah. crooked can't you in a line-out? that can happen any time so I, I i don't i don't blame that situation at the death i think they should have scored sooner uh, I think they had mm. loads of opportunities. I was really pleased uh, or impressed with the CEO, Max Clark, mm. um, um, partnership. I think we haven't really actually seen that very often. This no, season. he came
1: off, came off the bench, Max Clark, didn't he? And yeah. Had, yeah, yeah, but had a good, whatever it was, 20 minutes. Well, it was really
0: impressive partnership at the end. Um, and then, you you know, you've got Ashton and Rio on the wings. It's it's, it's looking like a really effective back line. Um, and I just think they, there was too many... Wish like it was a lot of wafted passes going being yeah. thrown to mid fresh air uh, earlier on in the game before before things got tighter before it, you know before they looked like they had a chance to win um, and I just think if they'd been more uh, on the money earlier in the game, mm. I, th- I don't think it would have come down to uh, leading a try to win it at the death, and it's a shame really, because that could have been a, a fairly momentous clean sweep in Europe uh, for the Welsh was- regions.
1: Yeah, it would have. And I mean, the the thing is, and I know I've definitely been guilty of um, being, you know, a, a Dragons apologist over the years and looking and going, yeah, it'll come good tomorrow. It'll come good tomorrow. But mm. the, I mean, just, you know, we, we've spoken about the body language before, even though that wasn't necessarily the, the best performance of the season, just seeing what it means, that what it meant to those players, you know, when they did go over the line and that try was chalked off. It's a set of players who want to play for Di Flanagan right mm. now. And, um, mm. You know, that is I, I think that will hold us in decent stead for the for the rest of the season. It's just getting over the not not just the try line, but getting over the finish line in, in some of these in some of these games. Yeah. You know, didn't do it against the sharks, which would have been a massive result, didn't do it on that occasion, couldn't get over the line against um against the, the Lions away in a game that we should have won. And yeah, I just I think just get that that final percent in there. I, I do feel like they're they could be onto something. I'm not saying you know it's it's a side that's capable of of getting into the playoffs or anything, but there there is something there to to build on. There's some really outstanding youngsters, and I think the recruits they brought in this time round have been really good. Bradley Roberts is is absolutely sensational. He's just been mm. you know he's been in fantastic form from from minute one. So. Yeah, I um I don't know I hope it's not another another false dawn and we can back it up with a good with a good couple of results over um over Christmas but it's um yeah it's an informed Cardiff side who we haven't beaten for years. Um
0: Yeah, I didn't realize it was at uh, Rodney Parade. I thought it was at the Arms Park. I was, is, planning, yeah. I was planning to go to that, but it's uh Boxing Day is a tricky day to travel unless yeah. you're driving. Even if you're driving to new uh yeah. parade parking is an absolute bitch on there so uh yeah. and you can't rely on so, uh public transport these days so um i might end up watching cardiff pontipreed on the ounce park instead mm. but um yeah it'll be interesting game i i I, I, I agree with you on, on the dragons i I, I think they are I, uh, you called yourself an apologist but I, I feel the same way I think the they really close to playing well, I think. Um, like, if you... They need luck with injuries, like mm-hmm. any side, I suppose, really. Like, if, for example, if uh, Will Rowlands was on that side, you know, it starts to look... Because he is three quarters of their pack. <laughs> but it, it starts to look a really strong side with him in it, then. And, you know, and, and uh, I think um, Wayne Wright was unavailable, was he? But, no, Wayne Wright played. Oh, did he? Oh, who, yeah, I, who am I missing hard. there? Um oh, Team looked, Basham! Basham, yeah. Basham still yeah, out. but Keddy was there and played well, and um, so I—I I don't, I don't know. I just think it, they are go in, going—they're definitely going in the right direction, and um, I just hopefully it's just a matter of time before someone's on the wrong end of a hiding off them. I think.
1: Yeah, and I mean, look, even if it, even if it's not hidings, it's just getting—it's just getting wins. And I know there's there's already been more yeah. wins this season than there was last, and there were no home wins last season at all. which just mm-hmm. isn't isn't acceptable um so yeah i don't know hopefully even though it was a, a gut-wrenching defeat um hopefully it's uh it is heading in the right direction one other point of note, Murph. i don't know if you spotted the referee's name
0: in the dragons game yeah no i did not
1: it was something Makepeace. i don't know matthew oh, Makepeace right. or something oh, right. okay and i thought he's crying out for um to team up with Gervin dempsey for a rugby remake of uh, of dempsey and Makepeace. um <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i don't know exactly what it looks like so if anyone's got any ideas around that i just thought it'd be a brilliant a brilliant idea for a, a road trip around ireland is gervin dempsey, dempsey, dempsey a ref now no but all uh, oh, well, right no, don't, don't, don't pour don't pour sorry, sorry, poetic <laughs> license i know so yeah <laughs> they're, both, they're both interested in rugby yeah. um so uh so yeah there we go that's uh the uh the level of um the level of things running through my head while, uh, while watching that game. Let's finish though on a a quick review of, uh, of the year, because it has been uh, an unprecedented year, even by Welsh rugby standards. Yeah. Um, Obviously we've had all the, the off field, uh, the off field drama, um, which we'll come to in a minute. Who though, if um, if you were to kind of look at the the players who pulled on the red of Wales this year, who do you think has been the um has been kind of the the breakthrough player for for Wales this season? Who's been the one who's who's really shone? Uh, you know, who's kind of stood up and 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 made that that transition into you know into from being kind of like you know a, a talent into the, the t-
0: Well, it's it's funny in Wales because we've had um, three breakthrough players, strictly speaking, not in twelve months, but. Uh, in the same season, effectively, uh, three breakthrough players in the same jersey. Mm. Just over 12 months ago, Sam Warburton and a lot of other people were trumpeting Tame Basham as a guy yep. who's going to hold that jersey for uh, years on end. Then, in no time at all, <laughs> in true Welsh fashion, is Tommy Raphael. And uh, he's still the one I, I I think he's being unfairly discarded because he, in the turning point then. for him, he, he played with injury against the All Blacks played through an injury. You could see, you could see his arm was completely Mm -hmm. like, it was like three inches of tape around it. Um, Didn't go very well. No one did. Uh, Then uh, uh, Jack Morgan's taken his chance. And suddenly now, because everyone in, in Wales has got like rugby amnesia. I was going to say dementia, but that's not a very nice thing to say. Rugby amnesia. Uh, And, and they've, they've, Suddenly forgotten that we had, oh, uh, uh, in amongst all that is of course a small matter of just in Tipperick, but we had three false stones at the open side. Now, now mm. at the moment, the hot, the hot ticket in Welsh rugby is Jack Morgan, until he has a bad game, and then it'll go back to one of the other three again. And so, you, could, but in all seriousness, you could pick all three of them. Maybe not Team Basham. He didn't probably go as well as Tommy or Jack did in 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 last. Uh, Last autumn's, uh, especially the Six Nations this year, uh, the, he was first choice at the beginning of the Six Nations. Mm. Um, but all three of them have done brilliant work in the Seven Jersey this year, and all three have been trumpeted as the uh, future of the game. But uh, which one is it? Like they can't, you can't be right about all of them.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play my rugby amnesia card, and I'm going with Jack Morgan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're right. You, Tommy Raffle was brilliant in um, in South Africa. Um, yeah, do you know what you make a you make a positive, uh, a very compelling case for it to be him actually, because I don't. You're right. Other than one game, it doesn't look like he's been exposed, does it? It looks like it looks like a guy who was playing with an injury, and he was so good in South Africa that, um, that yeah, maybe he, it's he all was, right. I, he
0: was a complete dead end defensively. Yeah, you couldn't guarantee the ball was coming back if you ran into him in in that series especially in the game we won. I was like, that was like the, the outstanding performance probably of the season, I would say by any player in the Welsh jersey to my mind, but, um, yeah, he just, and you look, uh, we, we've already talked about the, the two fetches issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the, the, the side, it looks like it's crying out for an out and out six every time it happens. So, um, and that's a kind of a position we're a little bit short of, um, so, I, you know, uh, otherwise, there's not been a massive amount to choose from because it hasn't been that many, mm. really, that many new players come through.
1: Yeah, no, good shout. Right, let's, let's go, well, let's no, go with that, I don't right? know if
0: it was this 12 months, but I suppose the one has been forgotten again because he's been injured for four games and therefore rugby amnesia means he can't be considered. But <laughs> uh, um, uh, Derry
1: Lake. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: you know, that's a good That's show.
0: probably... In in this calendar year. That's probably the most significant um um I, I can't think of the word it's I think yeah arrival. I, <laughs> I, I
1: think um I think you were right with, with Tommy Raffle. I think that's the I think that's the one to go for because he strung it together for three tests on the spin away in South Africa. Um which leads me on to probably quite a, a very quick um a very quick answer to this one. Best uh, best Wales team performance that you've seen this year. <laughs> well,
0: it's, I mean...
1: I think it's the first test in South Africa, personally.
0: Really? Because yeah, well, yeah, the second yeah. there
1: were so many changes, and the first we just should have won and were out of it and then came back in it and then lost it.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching that again, you know, that game. Uh, yeah, you're right, because it, it, it was like 14 changes for that second game by South Africa. So, you know, a lot of people, especially down that part of the world, I, I suppose we're saying they beating beaten South Africa seconds. Mm. But I don't think we can get away from the fact that we've never done it before we've you know we've never won mm. in South Africa um, I, don't I don't think we've won in the other two I don't think we won in Australia Have we? did we do it a long time ago we definitely never won in, o- in New yes. Zealand um, so whatever you know whatever history uh Whatever way history views Wayne Pivak, that that is on his is in uh, to his credit, that win.
1: This is uh, the most this is the most compelling debating I've ever heard from you, Murph. You you've you've completely won me over again. You're right. Result, <laughs> a result is a result, isn't it? Um, it's the power it of
0: ha- half a can of San Miguel for me. Exactly. Debating if
1: skills. Have, if we'd have beaten if we'd have beaten all blacks second string at home um with 13 men. It would still be an historic day, wouldn't it? So um so yeah, no, you are you're, you're yeah. right. Well we've just right.
0: never done it before, you know. And again, obviously every time we go to South Africa, the specter of ninety-six thirteen hangs yeah. over every time we go there now, even though that was that was Wales thirds, you yeah. know, playing that game. Um so uh, you know, I, I was in the halfway in, in uh, Poncana, and spontaneous singing broke out all over the pub at the final whistle. People I didn't know were arm in arm with me, singing uh, everything. Uh, you know, all the, all the um, favourites were coming out. Calon Lan and everything was getting rolled out after the final whistle. of people, you know, I was with a small group of mates, but people I'd never seen in my life were <laughs> grabbing me and uh, having a hug. So that, that was, that was a you can't discount what a big deal that was
1: no it's such a big deal It set off the uh, the smoke alarm in my house um <laughs> which you may or may not be able to hear in uh in the background no um, we can't you, you can't no well, let's, hope, let's hope my sleeping kids can't hear it as well <laughs> um so uh right hang on. i'll be back i'll be back in one second to finish this.
0: should i talk amongst myself again i don't think i will i think we just edit
1: Amazingly, really? that is the second time uh, in the history of the attacking scrum that we've been interrupted by a fire alarm. Really? The first time, you may remember, was during an interview with Di Bishop. Um, oh, so, yeah. yeah uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh,
0: I was starting to get a little bit worried in case it wasn't an actual fire.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's the reason I thought. I was, I was like, I better, I better nip out and check. But um, <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's just that uh, Mrs. Mrs. Jed is burning the dinner. You've got some month.
0: editing to do as well, by the way.
1: I will have some editing to do yeah. there. Yeah. Um, right, Let's finish then <laughs> hmm. on worst performance, Murph. Oh. Italy or Georgia?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, I, be, I bet you could argue some of the other games which we where we lost to decent sides were probably more inept. Um, but...
1: Oh, go on, go 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 down that line of inquiry. <laughs> <isn't> <laughs> no, I can't. I, can't. I, right. haven't,
0: I haven't done my own work enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I, personally, I obviously georgia's whatever whatever way you lose to georgia it is bad but it has to be georgia we, we were Oregon, actually yeah. you know we were actually getting stuffed in the scrum in that game and so you can mm. to me any game where you're getting hammered in the scrum you can lose so uh, for the ineptitude, i think we were pretty much done and dusted in that italy game and managed to give it away in the last few minutes whereas uh, georgia we were never in control of the game after half time Mm -hmm. So I I think Italy was worse. You know, really good quality players like Josh Adams were making terrible defensive errors and uh, defensive organisational mistakes as well. And so I think probably, you know, just based on who who we were losing against, everyone would disagree really and go for Georgia. But I I would say Italy is the one that uh, pissed me off the most because Mm -hmm. by the time we got to Georgia... I was like, well, at least we'll get rid of the coach now.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean actually. <laughs> and the the thing with Italy is it's like we're we're always moaning there's too much rugby played. And sometimes the autumn has a kind of like end-of-term friendly type feel to some of the games, yeah, particularly yeah, yeah. the the lesser the lesser nations, if you like. Sorry, lesser tier two nations is what I mean. Um but against Italy, it's like it's still a Six Nations game. And to take it, you know, to be so complacent with your team selection going into that and then, you know, to kind of have the game won and just think, oh, yeah, we're going to coast through this. It was kind of a huge amount of, um, yeah, a huge amount of complacence that cost us in both those games. But I, I am going to go for Georgia just because it was... um you couldn't I, it. I mean, I've seen all kinds of, you know, all kinds of crap as a as a Wales fan over thirty odd years, and you've seen even more of it um, than I have. But I, I to be honest, I, I thought oh, we we'll probably won't see the day where we lose to Georgia, and there enough we have it. So never say never. Um, let's move on. Final one, Murph. What can we expect from Wales in the Six Nations looking ahead to next year? It's, it's difficult to
0: say exactly. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of Comments made about whether Gatland will be as good without Sean Edwards on his team, but one thing you—I mean, listen—the Gatland had terrible performances in his reign, mm-hmm. where he had he, made 13 changes in the autumn series and one of you and the side looked go out on the pitch looking like they've never met each other before, yep. let alone played together—that kind of thing. It did have Lost one of them there. No, it did happen in
1: the gap oh, Well, I know actually, I tell a lie. We lost. We did lose to Samoa, which I know isn't quite as bad, but no. we did lose to Samoa in a in an autumn fixture.
0: Yeah, uh, but I, I think the, the consistency and hopefully the correctness of the selections will stand mm. out as opposed to the last year. Uh, and we, we, you know, we we've already mentioned. it would be fascinating to see who still gets the same amount of loyalty that mm-hmm. PIVAC was showing in them uh, and who, who was, who that was out of favor uh under PIVAC comes back into the squads. So that will be interesting, but uh I, I don't know. I, again, we, we don't know the backroom staff yet, mm-hmm. do we? That's going to be decided next month, I believe. So that'll, that'll give us an indicator as well. But um uh, for the sake, for <laughs> just for fun, let's just say we're going to go all out, Warren Ball, uh, again, and um, everything will be fine. Because when we do lose it, it'll only be by two points to a good side.
1: Just for fun, I think we're going to win a triple crown. All oh, right, triple crown. I, I just yeah. think I, I know no, this is this. So we're beating Ireland at home, thing. are we? First I think up. I think that first game there is has been we've been in the doldrums for so long. I think he's going to get a tune out, get them really up for that game you know, he always wants a performance against Ireland because of the history there anyway. Mm. Um, and I do think you're just going to see a reinvigorated dressing room that is like, right. Okay. We've got a head coach who knows how to, who knows how to steer us through these things. And I mm. think there is an opportunity to catch them cold. They are a brilliant side. They're arguably the best side in the world. Yeah. And um, I just think that if you go out and you can get a result and, and the first game, that's that's the time that you want them. I know we don't start strongly anyway. Especially under Gatlin because he likes to beast them in the training yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think there is a massive opportunity there. And we do that. I think you, you know, I think we can beat Scotland away, and I think we can beat England at home. Um mm.
0: new coach, by the way, today.
1: Yes, I saw, yeah. yeah um, yeah. what did you make of that, Murph?
0: Uh very, very poorly kept secret, was it? Well, it was, yeah. <laughs> um well, I, I don't think it can be. Uh, when a coach like Eddie Jones or any other coach, anywhere loses it, loses their way, there's there's no there's um, there's no coming back from it. He, mm. You know, he just his selection had gone so weird. It's, just, it's yeah. he, he went into one one of the games with a massive lack of pace in the whole side. He had Cock and a Seagull on one wing and Jack Noel on the other. Mm. It just means there's no internationals finishing pace in the whole side which you know I suppose he was intending to go power up the jumper stuff anyway so but I, I don't know it just seemed he just seemed to be so he seemed to have gone so pig-headed with his selections mm. that I think anyone now is obviously a very good coach but anyone now coming in has got a little bit of an open goal for the first few games because the side are being reinvigorated by not having to face Eddie every training session
1: yeah
0: uh, and we will just feel fresh, and uh, I think they'll. Well, I think they'll go well. I mean, it's. I think it's they'll really... come. To,
1: I think they'll come to Cardiff with two wins under their belt, and everyone will be giving them the title already. And I think we'll. I think we'll. <laughs> I, I think we'll be them.
0: Yeah, I like that idea. It's it look. It's it possibly the uh, strongest Six Nations tournament we've had in a long time.
1: I think you're absolutely right. That is, it's going to be so. Um, it's going. To, I think it's it's always exciting in a World Cup year. anyway. I mean, it's mm. always exciting, isn't it? And especially yeah. when you come off the back of... You know, but when, you when you consider
0: come... everyone's ranking at the moment, Wales yeah. aside, everyone's ranking is really high.
1: Well, wa- know, Wales you... aside, but then to have, you know, to have Gatlin come back in and... Yeah. That, that squad is still good enough to get, a, to get a tune out of between now and the World Cup. A hundred percent, right? Yeah. It's Yes, it's an ageing squad, but there's some really bright talent coming through. I know there's not... There's not, they're not coming off the conveyor belt like they were at the start of Gatland Zero, you know, where you had Tiprick and Warburton and uh, penny, bigger, bigger and, and half Valentine. penny all, all in the yeah. same, all in the same side, yeah. uh, all in the same under 20 side. So it's not, it's not quite the same, but you still have some, you know, you've mentioned Derry Lake there, Chunza, Jenkins, these, these players, you know, I think there's, there's one or two who are going to get blooded. And I think, you know, I, I think he's got every opportunity to, to build a really good side here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's still, it. it's still
0: still broadly speaking a similar squad to the one he had in 2019. Yeah, it is. There's not that many people have retired since. Obviously there's more miles on the clock for all of them.
1: Yeah, but, weirdly, uh, I don't uh, know. Personal I don't wise, know if, it's
0: not that different. I
1: don't know if anyone's
0: retired. No.
1: Uh, there wondering. must be
0: some. Well, so yeah, not retired but fallen out of favor. Uh Garrett Davis and one of you—he's not yeah. the player he was
1: in 2019. No, he's not. But I, but actually retiring—it's it's really yeah. weird to go three years without anyone, unless yeah. i miss someone. Anyway, um, must be someone. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we've got all of that to come uh, in the new year. As I say, this is the last episode of this uh, of this year. We'll be back in the. I mean,
0: hang on—we're not doing yeah. the game. The, we're not doing a. We're not doing an episode after the Boxing Day game.
1: We will be doing a comprehensive review of uh, <laughs> of both of the <laughs> regional derbies in the new year muff um so yeah you get to you get to enjoy whichever game you want and uh, can uh, can sink a few guilt free san miguels um across the festive period um, Thanks, mate. so yeah and, uh, and if you are desperately craving attacking scrum please go back and listen to some of the specials we've had in the last couple of months so um we had a great chat with Scott Otten uh, of course with Warren Gatland uh, and we had an episode with Luke Upton talking about rugby's greatest mavericks um Which um, yeah, which is we really enjoyed all of those ones. Uh, So yeah, it just leaves me to say a big thank you to the Mighty Murph, to Steph Thomas, to Yeston George, Scott Otten, the lesser spotted Daniel Killick, uh, Luke Upton, Matthew Jones, uh, Warren Gatland, obviously. Thank you to Simon for sorting that interview, Mm. and uh, uh, thank you to So Coffee Trades for sponsoring us for another year, and uh, of course a big thank you to everyone who has listened this year. We will be back in the new year uh, to bring you lots more rugby chat, lots more San Miguel's, lots more swearing and um, all of that to come. But yeah, in the meantime, have a great Christmas and we'll see you in 2023. Podcast Network.